Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, November 17th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the Eclipse Pad AMA, hosted by the Rec Gang. Let's take a listen. Hey, how you doing? The uh, I can't bring you up stage right now. Like, quit quickly and then I'll remove you. Hey man, what's up? Nice PFP. Oh, I've changed it. I've changed it, I've updated it. Sup? Sup, Rick Gang? Hey, it's Simon. Yeah, I'm up here. Wait for a few more people hey, to how jump you up. doing? Doing good, man. Yeah, yeah. Let me tweet it out. I've come to FUD Simon today. My whole purpose of coming on the spaces is to FUD Simon. Taco has expressed his unhappiness today. That's okay, yeah. I, can, I can handle it. I removed them from speakers. <laughs> oh, boy. It's okay, I can handle it. I, I kind of like it. It's kind of like the hecklers, right? In a comedy show. You can kind of have fun with it. Honestly, when you when you do a lot of VC calls, you get really, really good at... Um, you get really good at answering really, really difficult questions. Like, it's it's one of those things. Like you, you do, you go through a period of fundraising, you get asked every single question you can potentially imagine. Uh, you get really good at answering hard questions. That's, that's actually, if anything, like go through a fundraising round just to like learn how to, to, to make sure you got all your stuff sorted. Yeah, it, it must be tough, but the people are probably polite, right? Yeah, they're polite. But I'll say like fundraising... Um, is one of the hardest things you can do because you have to repeat yourself like a million times a day and you get just random questions. You're like, okay, this is a new, I haven't thought of this. Sometimes it's dumb questions. Sometimes it's like really smart questions that you're like, oh, I haven't thought of it this way. Um, they're, they're not rude, no, no, never. But sometimes it does get frustrating. Yeah, I get you. Uh, on Twitter spaces, they're usually not polite. That That's kind of the thing. <laughs> At least you get a ask the question in a, in a certain manner that you know is respectful uh have you ever had like jimmy the otter I was, on your face? I was just about to say i was literally just about to say i think he's got a vendetta against me for some reason um it's kind of funny whenever he gets lit up on a space it's absolute chaos so uh, yeah and that's always good fun you know he kind of has good points sometimes but it's just the way right that the question is asked it's uh a little <laughs> feels like you're being attacked he, he lacks the social touch that comes with like asking the questions in a way that is like amicable it's like he'll just yell at you on a space or something and then like okay jimmy down you go 
Yep. But V's pretty good at it. V V's pretty polite when he asks a question. He he's very calm and collected. Uh V, I'll I'll bring you up when it's gonna be question time, okay? Uh now we're just gonna have the AMA. I think we can get started. It's uh five minutes uh in. And uh <laughs> he's unhappy. That's fine. Um so uh thank you, Simon, uh for taking the time today to kind of chat about Eclipse. And uh, obviously, uh, uh, as a Rec Gang co-founder, and I think I can speak from the community, uh, we're super grateful for you to kind of include us in your journey uh, to bring this project to life. So thank you very much, obviously, for, for the airdrop, but also kind of teaching us, you know, what Eclipse is going to be bringing to the crypto ecosystem. So I think this is kind of really a good opportunity for everyone. Uh, for us at Red Gang and for anyone else attending this Twitter space to learn more about, you know, your vision for this project that you're, you're building. So I guess this is how I'll start it off. Um, so I think you people are a little familiar with you, but if you could maybe give us a little bit background on yourself and what brought you to kind of uh, develop this project. Yeah, so I'll give you a bit of a backstory. It's quite an interesting one. Um, I've been in crypto since 2016, um, quite active in the space since 2016, actually. Um, and I come from uh, quite an education piece, like a lot of DeFi, but also, uh, you know, education. I got brought on to Loop Finance. Uh, I joined the Loop Finance team around, would be around September or October last year. Um, and my big thing uh, at Loop was actually building out Loop Learn, which was the education platform uh, for uh, you know for Terra. And I actually, you know, TTFL uh, funded a lot of the uh, video development, and basically I was tasked to build uh, this awesome Earn to Learn platform uh, for the Terra ecosystem and for and for Loop. It was going to be really cool. It was going to be um, uh, doing really cool stuff with NFTs and and really like building some, some incredible features and, and built out these videos in a, quite a short space of time. They were going to be featured in the stadium. I got involved a lot uh, deeper with Loop uh, on many different levels. Um, I wasn't just running Loop Learn, but I was helping out across uh, many, many different uh, sectors, including helping with, you know, tokenomics and doing a lot of like public facing stuff for a while, uh, AMAs and um, backend stuff and helping out a bit on the VC side and, um, so I kind of, you know, re really got involved with that and involved in Cosmos and even on my own, even on my own got a lot, you know, I, this is actually how we met in the first place, doing a lot of spaces of Super Terra. Um, I come from a marketing uh, business development background and sales. And um, there was an opportunity on Terra. So basically there was, uh, there was a platform being built on Terra called Lunar Launcher. And it was actually incubated and you know, built by Loop in the first place. Um, but it was built as a separate product. It was meant to, there was a lot of projects being incubated and it was, uh, you know, meant to be a competitor to Star Terra and really help to, um, you know, uh, bring more, more options for launch pads and stuff to Terra. It was a multi-chain launch pad. And I got brought on as an advisor, actually in the first place for Luna Launcher. Um, and when I got involved, it was basically one, one guy running the platform. I was doing the tech. The tech was really advanced and, you know, uh, code base built for six major chains. It was really cool from that perspective, but there was very little being done from the platform model perspective. So I came in and I was like, what is happening here? And I got like really, really involved. 
um, it was kind of being rushed through and it wasn't, um, you know, the tech was great, but it wasn't, you know, I, I don't think like launching was the right thing to do and everything. Um, but then Terra collapsed, so it never actually ended up launching. And um, then uh, the guy that was kind of running the platform just completely fell off the face of the earth and I actually took over the platform um, and basically set it and separated it from Loop so that it would still be partnership product um, and incubated by, but it would be its own separate platform uh, that would benefit from some of the functionality that Loop provides, but be its own uh, separate entity and its own separate platform. Uh, then also, you know, went the direction to a rebrand, Eclipse, followed Loop uh, over to, uh, to, you know, Juno with the uh, Terra grant. And then I spent, you know, actually a couple of months really digging, digging down into the model uh, of launch pads, what, what launch pads look like on the bull versus how they should look on the bear. Um, where does the model need to be improved? How to put more thought into all the pieces, the staking models or tier models, um, the vision, how to like uh, position the launch pad as a very solid launch pad. And also the opportunities that Cosmos has um, being a, a unique ecosystem that doesn't have a launch pad and how a launch pad actually fit in this ecosystem put together you know a, a team of really really awesome uh, awesome crew and uh, you know just just chipped away at it started really uh, putting everything together um, and then eclipse you know came to life right it was a, it's been a grind and a half but it's really positioned well now to kind of uh, really reimagine the launchpad model in a few different ways uh, as well as you know act as a, a marketing spearhead for the cosmos ecosystem as a first narrative um, it is much bigger plans and much more ambitious plans than just that. But for now, it's really like Eclipse Pad. We see the opportunity to accelerate and also help launch many projects and get exposure from uh, you know cross-chain users. So that's kind of like a very high-level uh, overview of Eclipse Pad. Um, hopefully, it gives you a bit of background of myself and kind of where it came from to where it is now. Yeah, yeah, and I love that you know you were part of Loop Learn and basically the educational piece. Um, that we value so much at Red Gang 2. And now um, I'm expecting you to kind of bring an educational aspect to all the projects that you will be launching, right? That's going to be kind of part of uh, your uh, advantage or your marketing advantage is people learning about these projects that you're going to be launching and you have experience with that with uh, Loop Learn. Absolutely. I'll give, you, I'll give you just a nugget around this. Like why education it's not just the education piece it's the communication that comes with education so i think this is where it's a unique advantage um of what we're doing at eclipse like i'm not a dev myself right i can't write a line of code but i can communicate and i can break things down into simple ways i can understand users i can understand um people's minds around what they need and because of this we're able to kind of really focus a lot on the user experience side and how can we simplify stuff in such a way that users can understand how can we create great stories that people want to be a part of? And how do we, um, you know, really simplify the future of this UI UX so that, um, you know, users aren't, don't have to jump through 10 million hoops to participate in, in platforms or to use the application. So really the future of Eclipsepad, what you end up seeing as a platform that uh, makes the UI UX experience so simple that it's going to be really, really friendly to use. Um, so you'll see that. And, and obviously education and, narratives for many of the projects that are coming through the platform as well is going to be really key. Yeah, so, so can you speak a little bit about this? Because obviously Cosmos prides itself on 
decentralization, uh, interchain, you know, that interoperability that we always talk about. And the launch pad is not something that really is, you know, something that is used most of the time. The protocols just launch by themselves and they do their own marketing. So what would you say would be a benefit of having this Launchpad platform versus a project launching by itself? So, yeah, if you could comment on that and basically why you guys, I know you kind of talked about it earlier, but why a Launchpad on Cosmos? Yeah, there's a few pieces, but I'd say that the number one, the biggest umbrella piece is, is customer bootstrapping, right? Uh, uh, bootstrapping your your initial community and your customer base. And and this is often done by airdrops, right, uh, in Cosmos, which are great in a way, and we are doing airdrops. But there's also some things that aren't always great with airdrops, and some of them come around like, you know, being able to target better and, you know, cyber wallets as well as, you know, uh, there's a lot of, if there's a lot of airdrops happening at once, hard for them to cut through and get exposure unless they're targeted well. But also these airdrops um, don't do a really good job of capturing users from outside the ecosystem. If everybody in the ecosystem is just airdropping to the ecosystem, um, then it stays kind of ancestral. And, you know, sure, there's more users joining Cosmos with more news and stuff coming from outside the ecosystem, but it doesn't bring in new users from across the space, which we need because Cosmos does have issues with liquidity uh, in general, right? So... For us, really, the unique advantage that, you know, ClipsPad will bring in the future and is going to bring is really about being able to tack, tap into some of these cross-chain networks and cross-chain users um, to really bring exposure to the projects launching on the pad, right? So, you know, obviously, there's uh, bootstrapping liquidity and the fundraising piece of a launchpad, but really, like, the biggest proposition that a launchpad brings is the ability to capture community base. Now, many launch pads haven't been necessarily the base of capturing quality users. I think some have, um, but there's some really cool stuff that we can do with that uh, where we can really like narrow certain parameters so that the users that we're capturing um, are better users, right? So users that get to participate in the IDO, maybe like better investors or have more skin in the game or different things like that. So that's kind of the model that we want to work on is how do we not just help to attract users, for, you know, for these new chains or platforms launching, but how do we get better quality users uh, in general from both the cosmos and outside of the cosmos? And that's kind of where we really want to sit. So, so I guess uh, the follow-up question to this, how, you know, what's the plan to capture users outside of the cosmos? Um, probably there's going to be marketing involved and all that, but do you have any specific initiatives to kind of people uh, take that bridge or that leap from an EVM-based chain into the Cosmos? Because that, that's very tricky, right? Like, uh, I think uh, it's been difficult uh, to capture that liquidity from outside of Cosmos, like you said. So do you have any uh, concrete ideas on how this will be accomplished? Yeah, so there's a few layers to this, right? And, um, uh, you know, one of them is the experience, right? So one of them is obviously the participation. Um, so that's that's one level of, of thing. So our initial uh, kind of method, and this, is, this isn't the strategy, the marketing strategy so much, but this is the, the method for, for onboarding. And this first one is about um, we've got a partnership with Squid, which is uh, a platform built on top of Axelar, and they enable for participation from cross-chain using any asset. So you could be sitting on Ethereum, and you could actually use your ETH to participate in an IDO directly, right? 
um, or you could be on Solana and use a Solana or your USDC on Solana to present an IDO without having to jump chains and do a, bunch, a whole bunch of things. That's one level, so it lowers the barrier considerably. Uh, the second one is cross-chain VCs that have communities in cross-chain uh, as part of the strategy. Um, we also have, you know, we've got a pretty decent KOL network uh, in cross-chain networks as well. And so we'll be leveraging that, not from a shilling perspective, but generating partnerships with good KOLs, build education and stuff and have communities and helping to bring some of these cross-chain communities in. Um, we also, like the biggest proposition I think that you can do to bring in new users is actually start launching really quality projects. So it's really about focusing on the business development uh, aspect of, of launching high quality projects in the cosmos. Because we saw this effect actually happen with many launch pads space in, um, you know, during the bull run, but even after the bull run, when, uh, you know, you took like a platform like Avalanche uh, and Avalanche was launching a lot of, uh, you know, good Avalanche projects at one point, it was actually bringing users into that ecosystem because they saw what was happening over on the ecosystem. They're like, oh, I like the look of all these projects going on this chain. Nothing's happening on my chain. Let me go have a look over there uh, and participate. And then the third, you know, the last piece of this is going to be really, um, this is going to be a little while off, but really investigating the way that we can make this completely abstract away all the all the, the hurdles of UIUX. So how can we utilize like Axelar Squid and all of this to be like fully a platform where you could be participating on an IDO and you don't even need to, uh, you don't really need to like, think about staking or claiming all this sort of stuff, you can literally do that from cross chain. Um, and now the issue with that is that, you know, they may not bring users into the chain and you need them to come onto the chain. Um, but this is where we can bring in like bounties and, um, and obviously action steps that mean that you get preferential entry into IDOs if you're interacting with applications on a specific chain. So, and there's a lot to, to, to digest there. I don't want to give away too much alpha, but there's a few strategies. Um, but it's just about having the building blocks, right? So we firstly need to focus on Juno. We need to focus on the Cosmos ecosystem. And then as we build that up and we build up the community, then that gives us uh, more leverage to bring in users from outside. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I saw, you know, the partnership with, with Squid and Axelar. Uh, obviously, we love the multi-chain angle. Um, the NFTs, the Rec Bull NFTs on, on Juno. Uh, we'll also implement Axelar tech in order to be kind of interoperable with all the chains. So that's very cool that you'll be able to invest, you know, in ETH, on ETH, into, you know, some some project that's launching on Juno Network. I think that's really uh, fancy and also a great way of, you know, removing kind of the barrier of entry into the Juno Network or or the Cosmos as a whole. So I really love this uh, interoperability piece that you're bringing. And uh, the second point that you mentioned, I think this is a, the critical point, and I think you'd agree with me, is uh, launching great projects. So I don't know if you can share a little bit of alpha on, you know, what is kind of the first project that you all want to be launching on Eclipse? I don't know. Is, is that like too forward? But I'm, I'm very curious because... Uh, what can you do on Juno right now? You you can trade some NFTs. You can you know swap some coins on Juno Swap, and maybe bet on the Rack Casino, and that that's about it, right? The missing kind of like a killer app to bring you know more people in. And you talked about Avalanche uh, that had th those DApps at the time. I guess shout out to people that got wrecked on Time Wonderland. I'm I'm sorry about that, 
but but <laughs> what is kind of like the project that you're hoping to bring on Juno that you think is going to be really high quality? Yeah, so this is a little bit of a different, a uh, little bit of a difficult piece in ways. We have a lot of like uh, good discussions behind the scenes. Um, we we're actually looking at we're going to launch DAP chains as well, Cosmos wide DAP chains even on Juno. So you know we'll actually be launching them on Juno to start, but there'll be uh, DAP chains. It's a little bit hard with this market because a lot of projects are tentative around their launches. So it is a bit of an interesting one. There is a couple of projects I don't want to announce anything just yet. There's a couple of of Juno projects that we are eyeing off that are kind of uh, towards mid or towards late stage uh, that we may look at launching and go through DD and stuff for. Um, but it is a difficult one, right? Because the launchpad's job isn't necessarily to bring projects to a chain, right? And that can happen, especially as you become bigger um, and then you're on a chain and you may, you then get a deal flow of accelerated projects and then you can point them to specific chains. Um, but it, it's like obviously getting and attracting projects to a chain is a very, very difficult feat, right? Many chains, Aptos, Dewey, Polygon, um, even Cosmos chains have huge uh, like grant programs and business development efforts to bring in good quality projects. So my, my view, and, and this is kind of the, the, the best kind of development for Juno, um, is obviously bringing good projects in, but also like going ground roots from the devs and the talent that's already there, but also helping them to accelerate uh, that with other pieces that they need to become killer apps, right? So it's not just, you may have really good devs that are building a really good app, but there may be other pieces that they need, um, like marketing, team building, um, as well as UI, UX, vision, narrative, fundraising, all of this, this stuff to become a killer app, right? Um, so this is where, you know, the accelerator side is going to be uh, a focus of ours as well. It isn't there just yet. I am doing a fair bit of like acceleration stuff in general in, in the Cosmos ecosystem, but it's more um, unofficial and just, uh, just helping out projects. But um, that's going to be really key for Juno. I think it's going to be that like support and acceleration side to help these projects become uh, killer apps. Yeah, so I, I guess um, the sequence of events for y'all would be, you know, I don't want to ask when and things like that, <laughs> but but it's that time. Um, so for you, the main priority right now would be to launch Eclipse as a whole, and then in parallel, you guys are going to be accelerating a project that you'll, you'll be launching. So what kind of timelines are we looking at here? Um, if you could give me like, you know, what your plan is the next month or even the next six months, that would be really awesome. Yeah, so the, the way we're looking at it at the moment, there seems to be a fair few projects that are looking to launch December and January. Um, that seems to be the timelines. I know many projects have kind of pushed back a little bit uh, who are planning to launch, but they're kind of pushing back a little bit in terms of, you know, everything that happened with FTX. Um, people don't realize that launching, you know, or launching a project in a bear is a difficult feat, right? You don't just need um, the, you don't just need like the, the, the IDO to be filled, right? You also need those users from day one that are excited about your project that are willing to kind of push it. Um, I mean, we are seeing a lot of chains kind of push pretty hard in Cosmos, but I don't think people realize um, as well that many of these are operating with quite low circulating supplies on the market. I mean, especially when they have really high APRs, there's so much uh, staking assets that are locked up with very little supply left in liquidity on the market. So they pump with very little amount of money. Um, so 
you know, in general, like bear markets are a difficult time to launch. And so you need to make sure that you're prepped for it. So the way that we're kind of looking at this over the next couple of months is we're looking to launch a couple of projects through December and January. Um, we're looking to do our own NFT collection, uh, Eclipse OG, which will be an NFT collection uh, for like OG holders. Um, and then, you know, launch these couple of projects, show, showcase our flow, showcase that we've got a great working product, build up the community, really focus on marketing. And then around Q, sometime in early Q1, I'd say end of January or February, it's hard to kind of lock in those dates. We want to launch uh, Eclipse token, do our own IDO and do the airdrop. That's kind of how we're eyeing off in terms of timeframes. Um, we want to obviously do it sooner rather than later, especially to do with the first move advantage that we have in the ecosystem. But we also want to be quite calculated with it and make sure that we're launching right um, and that we're doing right by our community and we're doing right by you know the vision that we've uh, built. Um, because if we try and rush the market too early and flop, then it doesn't do anyone a service. Um, so that's kind of a little bit tough um, because it is you know, you've got to be quite calculated with it. Um, but that's kind of what we're looking at in terms of our own launch and our IDO. And um, we plan to do some IDOs on some cross-chain pads. I'm still been talking to a couple of them, including DowMaker. It just depends on their terms. Many of them do take quite hefty like locations or they try and launch their own Alex accelerated projects only. Um, but that's uh, on that front. So we'll uh, be focusing on the accelerator. We'll also be uh, likely looking to expand to a couple other chains on Cosmos as well. Uh, we want to make sure that we're not just, uh, you know, our vision is to be cross-Cosmos and, and multi-chain. Um, obviously launching Juno projects and doing stuff like that, but we want to we want to make sure that we're tapping into the liquidity and the communities across the cosmos. That's very very important um, because if you stay on one ecosystem, especially one that doesn't have a huge amount of volume or liquidity, um, as a launch pad, you're pretty much dead in the water. So the only real chances of survival long long term for a launch pad is to be multi-chain, to tap into multiple communities, and to have as much of a, a largest community as possible um, that are engaged. Um, so we'll look to go to so a few other chains, a couple I have in, potentially in mind, um, and then we'll start working on you know further models, um, further products. We we actually eyeing off our own chain in the future. I've been um, digging into a couple of uh, ways in which that could work, um, and then you know the vision after that, and this may be after six months, but depending on this, is to uh, look at, at uh, full multi-chain integration, extracting away the. Uh, the UI UX. So basically, you could be participating in IDOs anywhere, anytime, um, for multiple chains without actually knowing where you are. Um, and this could be really beneficial because you'd be then tapping into communities across many chains. To imagine you're launching a, a dApp app chain on Cosmos, you'd be tapping into like users from multiple ecosystems that are excited about your product. So that's kind of the long, long term vision for us. Yeah, it's very cool. Sounds exciting. I love the multi chain angle. Um, I guess, you know, uh, I, I hope this is a fair question, but uh, you're probably familiar with, with you know, launch pads like Four Starter that are multi-chain already. So kind of wondering what would be your competitive advantage or what differentiates you compared to something like, like Four Starter or any other launch pad that, that's kind of aiming to be multi-chain as well? Mostly around the UI UX experience. To my understanding, um, many of these other launch cross-chain launch pads have multiple different wallets or multiple different ecosystems. So you're participating, like you're choosing, okay, this is a Binance chain, so I have a Binance chain wallet collected and I'm participating on that chain. We actually already have that capability built out um, where you can actually link wallets together and, and participate. This would be literally a full integrated solution abstracting completely away the, um, completely that UI UX experience where literally 
Um, and I don't want to give away too much alpha because it's ahead of time, but, you know, be using like this is, we still talks about the capabilities of this. So I don't give too much away, but my vision is really to have uh, where you don't even know that you're like, think about like a, like a, a centralized, like acting like a centralized exchange, right? That you don't have five wallets. You don't have three wallets. You don't have two wallets. You're literally participating in something. You're staking cross chain. You're participating cross chain. You're claiming cross chain and you're trading cross chain. Um, and you don't have those hoops and, and that, uh, you know, those um, barriers in place. As well as that, it's also like really about deal flow. And I think this is a strong advantage that Eclipse has is, is our strong business development uh, side and nature. Um, I, I believe that we can attract some pretty strong projects and launch some pretty big projects, which I think in the space, launchpads have struggled with this. I look at a lot of launchpads and I see uh, some pretty subpar projects, um, which is tough. I understand how tough the launchpad model is, but um, there's that plus a whole bunch of cool features and, and fun things that we bring to the table. So I'm really excited for this. And I'm excited to kind of put a new flavor on launchpads in general. Yeah, very cool. And um, I guess, you know, I have to ask, you guys are launching an NFT collection. We're an NFT project. So could you, could you give us a little more details about what the Eclipse OG collection will look like? And I guess what's the utility and, and what's your vision for that? Are these going to be cross-chain NFTs? Kind of what's the plan uh, as a whole to, to kind of creating them? Yeah, we've had a few internal chats around this. Um, our focus is actually being more on the getting the beta up and the fundraise and all sorts of stuff. But um, really, the vision around the OG NFTs is, is firstly a way that we can, um, you know, reward as well. Like this, we've had a lot of help. Um, you know, some shout outs. You know, Emir and Rubes and and a lot of guys in the Discord have been like incredible and have have put so much you know help in. Especially like we've been bootstrapping hard. I don't know if people realize that. Like. Um, <laughs> we've been bootstrapping pretty hard. I've been doing like, you know, four or five people's jobs, like running a lot of stuff. And it's uh, it's been incredible to have that help. So we want to be able to reward users for that. We also want something, even if it's a token for users that are like, hey, we were here at the start um, to go, <laughs> you know, you were you were like one of the first. It's like the hipster thing, you know, where, where people are like, I was there before it was cool. So it's kind of like that. Um, and they'll also be included in an airdrop and get uh, whitelist in the in you know the IDR for Eclipse. So that's that's a vision. Hoping to adding potentially some other features and things like that. It's not meant to be like a huge, huge, uh, massive utility uh, NFT. It's meant to be like a small collection that's like, hey, I was here at the start. Um, you're going to get airdrop too as well. So basically, it's it's almost going to be you know pay for itself the NFT. But we really want kind of like the people that are like here at the start to kind of be a part of it. Um, and just have that to show. So, yeah, that, that's kind of the vision behind that NFT collection. Yeah, I like it. It's it's kind of like you know, um, be part of this eclipse culture or this eclipse community, and and you have this NFT to kind of represent that you were there as an OG. Can you speak a little bit about the art, or because we we like the art, but I guess you know these those are kind of details. But I'm just curious. Yeah, we, we had a couple of brainstorms around the art. We're working on some stuff. We're going to go something galactic spacey, which was pretty cool. Like we put up some polls and stuff and it seems that like the 2D space art seemed to be quite a, an interesting thing. It seems to win over the PFP. Uh, PFPs are good because they're good for represent, re representing stuff. Um, but for some reason, yeah, people like to seem to like the galactic uh, planet art. So maybe some like uh, animated stuff. We're still working on it. Um, um, Guillaume was actually brainstorming some um, cool art ideas for this collection. Otherwise, we could potentially do something that goes onto your PFP. 
Um, but that didn't seem to get too much tra- as much traction, kind of how Astro did back on back on Terra. But yeah, I'd, I'd say potentially like a planetary thing. I mean, it fits the theme a little bit, right? Another idea, I guess, you know, since we're brainstorming is banners, right? It, it, it picks up more real estate than a profile picture. And it's not, you know, the same commitment. <laughs> if you already have a nice PFP or a nice community that you like to show off, but you also want to support maybe Eclipse in a different way, that can be an idea or opportunities to create some sort of maybe galactic banners. Um, that'd, be I cool. that'd be cool. That'd be sick, like an eclipse banner. That would be right. Yeah, there. yeah, like just eclipse, yeah. just the word, and like you know, an eclipse is is a beautiful kind of natural phenomenon. I, I can see it. <laughs> that would be sick because you're like projecting the eclipse, uh, and it could be like a whole bunch of different eclipses and different scenarios and things. That was a cool idea. I'd love to dig into that. I wonder how that would go in terms of the mint because like so many of the mints are like square pictures, like on most marketplaces. Um, but yeah, it'd be kind of cool to kind of explore that. Yeah, um, there, you know, it's it's kind of a new thing, right? People minting banners. I, I saw people doing it, and um, if oh, I guess we're brainstorming again. But um, one, it's very feasible, and two, you could even upgrade the metadata at certain points. Maybe if they've invested in uh, two or three IDOs, uh, they get like a different type of uh, eclipse picture. You know, it kind of changes over time. I guess this is a lot of uh, maybe it's too too much work for for what it's worth. But um, a lot of things you can do with NFTs, and I'm always excited to talk about this tech. But I think a, a banner could be like a good idea or something different than a PFP. So, anyways, just my two cents. Yeah, it could be fun. Definitely worth exploring. I'm not super versed in in the different like technical parts of NFTs, so I'm always open to learning that stuff. It's also also uh, being aware of bandwidth, right? We have to also be aware of our manpower and where we put energy to. And that's, that's a difficult one because there's a lot of priorities, right? So um, we have to be able to prioritize uh, what makes sense at the time too. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um, I guess uh, I wanted to come back to something you said earlier about launching projects during the bear market. I'm sure you get asked this question all the time. So what what's your vision on that and i guess why did you decide to launch a launch pad during kind of <laughs> the worst of times in crypto this year right so um maybe give me a couple of thoughts on this because i like pain <laughs> yeah we're all wrecked here <laughs> that's basically it i'm like i'm secretly a wrecked wolf i like i enjoy the pain that's why i build that's why i'm building a no look um, for me, like I see bear markets and this is also, you know, sometimes uh, something that I struggle with a little bit because I have such a vision of a specific thing and, and sometimes it's like, okay, well, how do you get to that, right? Um, I see bear markets as opportunities. Um, I've been here since 2016, so I've been through a lot of downs and I understand and I, I clearly see the opportunity that there is to capture market share and to really solidify uh, in the bear market. So when the bull market turns, um, you're already in a really good position to excel and be a top platform. So, you know, obviously, you know, part of the launch pad was uh, obviously when we were planning to launch, the market wasn't as bad as it is right now, uh, which is interesting. Um, but also like the opportunity for Cosmos, we saw like the growth of Cosmos and the number of chains and projects kind of launching on Cosmos and, and the fact that there is no launch pad or uh, there is very limited launch solutions. Um, and it really got, you know, exciting in terms of like, hey, 
there's really an opportunity to capture this market share and to really like put put a stake down. But I'm also looking at it as more than just a launch, but I'm looking at it as, as more of an ecosystem and more solution that we can um, really uh, like look at different ways in which we can really capture uh, as much like infrastructure and build as, build as hard as we can during the next you know year or two or during the bear market so that when everything turns, we're really, really well positioned. And when the bull market turns, launch pads are stellar. Right? So we really want to solidify. Um, so even if it's not the best time for Launchpad, right now, I will still make the most of it and we'll still turn it into something great. Yeah, I agree that, you know, when the bull market turns, uh, the projects that were there during the bear building, they're going to be the first one to be recognized. So my question to you is, and not financial advice, when do you expect it to return? Or like, what would it take for the bull market to return? Look, right now, <laughs> I could not tell you. It's a hard one. It's, it's conflicting things because, um, you know, the macro in general looks really bad. Uh, I mean, like inflation and crypto as a whole has been damaged uh, in retail's mind. Um, I'm, I, I would say based on what I saw in 2000 and, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, um, I'll say we're going to be at least a year out um, because, you know, users, like at least from a retail user perspective, everybody's spooked, in, like institutional is spooked. But then again, um, there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes which really uh, propels crypto forward. I mean, Google's been really getting involved in the space. There's a lot more um, kind of institutions that be involved in the tech side of things. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what happens with regulation. Um, I'd say we're just be prepared for the fact that this could go on for a couple of years, but then again, uh, everything could just turn and go back to normal, like nothing happened and the, the Fed could decide to just keep pumping more money into the economy. I don't know if they can do that with inflation, but there's so many times I thought the sky was falling and everything was crashing and then they were just like, okay, let's turn the money printer on again and, you know, everything just kind of like, yeah, we're crazy again. So let's see. Um, I think for, for as far as crypto, it's going to take a while for, for retail to forget. Um, like they always do. Retail always forgets and they always get wrecked. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I guess we don't know, right? Like uh, something could happen tomorrow and it's super bullish for crypto or something else can happen in the world and become super bearish. So we just continue building. Um, at, at this moment, uh, you know, uh, kind of asked, I think, the basic questions. I'm wondering if, if there's something you, you'd like to share with us that I, I haven't asked, and I'll, I'm going to start bringing people up for questions, if that's okay with you. I, I think V has been requesting for like 40 minutes now already, so. <laughs> let's let's drag it out and make V wait. That would be more fun. I, I, I agree. <laughs> So, uh, so just, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love to talk to you, V. It's fun. Taste me your medicine. I'm, I'm joking. Um, but, like, yeah, I want to mention uh, regarding Rick, Rick Gang and Rick Wolves. Um, I mean, you guys have been incredible. And I think one of the biggest things for, for me looking at, um, you know, doing this airdrop to, to Rick Gang. And, you know, I know that you guys uh, obviously have come over to Juno and you still have, like, a large kind of ETH compartment. But... Um, you know, for us, community is the moat, right? And I'm always looking at really strong communities. And this is honestly like the best go-to-market that can be possible is really tapping into strong communities that are close-knit, that are still active during the bear. Um, because really, if you build a really strong community during the bear, um, when you turn into the bull, 
you've got solid investors, you've got solid community there already around. So for us, that's massive. And you guys have shown time and time again that you have active users and then a really close community that has really strong values. So for us, for me, and I've seen it firsthand, it's been an incredible uh, kind of thing to see. Um, just in a couple of details in terms of the airdrop, we mentioned, like I mentioned, we announced the, an article. It's going to be really fun and cool. And we're going to do this with NFTs, um, which is really about uh, the Dragon Ball Z collection. We're not actually going to be Dragon Balls because we could get sued for that, but they're going to be glass balls with Eclipse logos in them that are going to be pretty cool. And the mission is going to be collecting these Dragon Balls. And these Dragon Balls are all going to, they're going to hold tokens. And you're going to be able to stake these. Uh, NFTs, and you're going to be able to collect the tokens over a vested period of time, which is really cool. Uh, you're going to be able to trade these as well if you want. There'll be royalty fees, which will then go back to the protocol, which is cool. Um, if you want to trade early and get your, you know, obviously your your cash uh, quicker, which will be good because it'll also help to to knock out the weak hands and go into the stronger hands that want to get vested positions. Um, but basically, you'll need to perform actions to collect each Dragon Ball, which are pretty simple. Um, one of them is literally follow on the reason I say follow on Twitter is because it actually has to be an action um, but claim the first Dragon Ball and then second one will be the test net third one will be uh, buying some Eclipse it can be a dollar or whatever but like it'll be literally just playing with a platform uh, staking and then farming so each of those actions you'll be able to claim and mint a Dragon Ball NFT with tokens attached um, and you'll collect the Dragon Balls so that's, that's going to be kind of the fun way that we're going to do it it's not going to be boring like every other airdrop, it's going to be cool. I love it. You know, I, I read the article and I thought this is super cool. Um, you, you're probably familiar with uh, Galaxy Quest and Optimism Quests. And uh, I think uh, number one is um, Arbitrum Odyssey and all these kind of protocols trying to get new people in their community or in their chain. And one of the good ways, I think, is, is kind of trying to gamify it a bit and, and getting people a little more involved than your usual. We're going to airdrop you tokens. And then usually what people do is they dump it or, or, or some of them do stake, but they don't get involved or they don't play with the protocol. And sometimes just by clicking a few buttons, you get so much more retention than uh, just a plain boring airdrop, like you said. And, and I really like the idea of having people to kind of uh, participate in the protocol in order to claim, uh, you know, some money. So you're actually, you know, getting people in the protocol, which is good for you, and they're getting their tokens and they're happy about that. And our UI, our UI is awesome. Like it's, it's actually only getting better as we integrate more of these pages. It's actually a pleasure to use, right? So getting people on our platform is actually a huge benefit because when people come on our platform um, and they use it, it's like, wow, this is cool. Like I haven't seen UI UX like this before. Um, and, you know, with the improvements that are coming and, and more pages coming and stuff, it's only going to get better. Uh, and then we'll look to gamify some stuff on there too. But literally it's, it's a cool point where users will be able to see the quality and stuff just by coming and playing with the platform. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, okay, this is the moment of truth. Uh, th thanks, Simon. V, v, you had questions for, for Simon? You, you're, uh, you can be a speaker now. Bro, I'm really sorry. I swear I've just been typing up my application for the elections. I didn't listen to shit you guys said. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> v, v, for, v for president. Yeah, V wants uh, to be um, the new. I don't even know what he applied for. Uh, what did you apply for, V? 
I've not applied yet. Soon. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. going to be applying that. For what position? I don't know. Um, Astro, you had a question? Yes. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Simon, for uh, the explanation. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, thank you so much, sir, for the opportunity to make the questions. Um, yeah, I have a question about the, the airdrop. Um, I'm very, very excited, so I don't want to miss it. Um, I have a ledger. Um, so how uh, can I, you know, I have some of my uh, Red Wolf are on my ledger. How I can get the airdrop to my ledger or I need to move it to MetaMask in, in order to, to get the airdrop. Thank you. Uh, it should be fine with the it should be fine with the ledger. It should just be your wallet. Um, I'll, I'll maybe let Rick uh, talk about this because I know there's some stuff. Uh, you guys are working on some stuff with MitDAO around like getting the the Ethereum to, um, Ethereum to um, to Cosmos. Uh, but I'd imagine it would just be an ETH wallet snapshot where you'll have a ETH wallet snapshot of your Rick Wolf. Uh, and then you'll be able to kind of connect that wallet in with a uh, Juno wallet and then claim the airdrop. That's my understanding of it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, Rick. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you guys on your end need the Juno addresses, right? And uh, the snapshot that we're taking on our end is ETH addresses, uh, the OX address. So Astro, if your Kepler isn't, you know, uh, your your Kepler wallet is what, we're gonna need for you to claim and interact with the platform. And that's different from your EVM address that you have where your rec wolves are stored. So um, yeah, but but will we'll, you know, will Eclipse be compatible with multiple wallets, uh, including Ledger, I guess? That that that's kind of a, like an open question here. Yeah, in the future it will be so. We talked about like uh, this abstracting of uh, of UI UX, right? So Squid's one way that users will be able to like participate from ETH. I'd imagine Ledger will still be operable on that end, uh, but in the future, it'll literally be uh, the plan is to be completely interoperable. So um, yeah, as far as like a first thing, I, I'd imagine that Ledger will be compatible. But let me get back to you as we get further along because I need to <laughs> make make sure I'm not talking out of my butt. <laughs> Yeah, and and don't worry. Like I said, Astro, you can uh, when we're going to be collecting your Kepler wallet, you could use like a, a random burner Kepler wallet at that time. Uh, what we took the snapshot that we took is your Ethereum wallet, but you don't need to interact with it, so um, it's all good on that end. It's kind of like how we whitelisted the wrecked wolves for the wrecked bulls mint, where you didn't need to sign anything, so it's it should be safe. I hope that answers your question. And now we have a uh, Winnie. Thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you for a great presentation, uh, Simon. And it, it's it's hard to come up with good questions when Zerker almost always takes the really good, uh, more obvious questions. But um, and I really think that you're touching about a lot of the 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 big picture um, 
what to say, challenges in making this successful, but also for the success of Cosmos. Uh, and you talked already about finding the right developers, the right projects, and try to get them here. But uh, what about the users? Are we that the Cosmos is still pretty new? It's a pretty small thing. How are like how are you gonna make it like more attractive for the the people that are here, but also more get, getting more people into your um, and investing in these fundraisers and such. I know you you talked about like it's being a, a shame ag agnostic if that's the word, but yeah, more the same. But just more are the communities and are we ready to bootstrap these kind of things? Yeah, I feel like we kind of already touched on some of these pieces already. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, and this is basically what we call, you know, go to market strategy, uh, which is one of the most important things for platforms to build. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of different pieces around this, right? So, you know, the, the biggest one is about cross-pollination of communities. So as you know, I'm sure you guys, when you're building rec rules is similar. Uh, collaborations with other communities is one of the best ways to cross-pollinate uh, users. So really, really um, doing a lot of collaboration spaces, uh, influencers, uh, KOLs, um, you know, all sorts of like co-marketing strategies are really good ways to build up your communities pretty quickly. Uh, so we're going to be doing a lot of that in the Cosmos, including like a lot of different chains around the Cosmos, a lot of different communities and a lot of uh, different KOLs in the Cosmos. We obviously have, you know, the airdrop as well, which is one piece of this go-to-market strategy within Cosmos. And um, the, the, I'm focusing on Cosmos first because uh, that's where your first initial, uh, almost like the low-hanging fruit or your close ecosystem is um, in terms of you know bootstrapping those initial users. Um, but then we, it's about doing the similar things with cross-chain, right? So um, you know, co-marketing with platforms, influencers, communities, and stuff in cross-chain ecosystems, NFT communities, which is an advantage because we do have NFTs built into the platform and into the workings of the platform um, and just really running blitzes and Twitter spaces is going to be one of the main ways of co-marketing this. Um, but there's a couple of things like doing IDOs on cross-chain, launch pads is a way to do stuff, giving people easy opportunity to participate, but then also just launching really good Cosmos projects and um, really focusing on that is, is powerful because you're tapping into their communities as well. Um, you're tapping into their VC networks if they're backed by VCs who have an incentive to push it. But you're also like showcasing to the rest of crypto that you're like, hey, cool, check out this new chain that's launching or check out this new project that's launching. This is really cool. We're going to market them and we're going to, you know, push them into the cross chain and users can see that there's some really cool action and stuff happening on the cosmos. That's kind of the way that we're, we're seeing it and approaching it. Great stuff. Thank you. Yeah, I guess, you know, to, to Winnie's point, um, I, I kind of understand, you know, the, the strategy for Eclipse on how you guys are hoping to bring more users in, uh, you know, to use Eclipse, to use Cosmos. I'm wondering, you know, on a, on a greater level, like, what do you feel, do you feel satisfied with the amount of users that Cosmos has right now, like for the amount of, you know, apps and 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 i guess you know tech that we have in the cosmos is it is it you know kind of appropriate because it's still a growing you know community and chain or you feel like there's 
there's more work to be done to, to bring more users. And, you know, what would you recommend to the cosmos as a whole? You know, what strategy should they be adopting to bring in more people into the cosmos? And, and I'm not talking about you guys specifically at Eclipse. I'm just talking like in a more general, broad sense. 110%. I can speak on some, you know, issues that we have in Cosmos in general, right? Like, I mean, the great thing on Cosmos, I think, is the strong and the strongest advantage is actually the infrastructure levels are really getting built. What we're still missing is uh, DAP chain levels. And I think one of the biggest issues that we have is the lack of grants and the lack of uh, a centralized, um, almost not, not centralized, but like there, there is not great uh, you know, I mean, this is what the, the hub and Shen Foundation actually got some really good programs. Um, I recommend projects that are building that to look into some of the stuff they do. They've got great stuff, but it's really hard. Like, you know, that's the building um, and they've got a choice between Nier and Cosmos. And Nier's got like a great like grants program and they're good at attracting builders. They have great business development. They're going to attract a lot of share. Like Polygon's the same, right? Polygon's got great grants, great business development teams, and they attract a lot of depth. The Cosmos doesn't just need the infrastructure. It also now needs some DAP levels for the building at the top, right? And not just a million indexes. It needs different NFT marketplaces, different like yield solutions, DeFi, but also Web2, Web, you know, Web3, right? Uh, it needs a lot more of this stuff. And there isn't much of that built out. On top of it, right, there is, you really, uh, I don't think there is really enough users for uh, how big the Cosmos is. And there's sometimes issues with, I think some of the issues that the, the, you know, the multi, the having a million chains is, is the UX experience having all these different chains and stuff's getting like uh, fractured and split up. I think my, um, yeah, um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely some issues there. Um, I think the big, some of the couple of the focuses that I'd be really focusing on uh, for Cosmos is making, um, is one of them is, you know, obviously keep building developers uh, will bring users eventually, but I'd say, the importance of business development. We need to start putting a lot more energy towards business development, um, which is like bringing people to your chain, not just expecting them to come out of their own free fruition. Really building up the grant programs better um, so that you have like solid grants programs that are like, hey, come to our chain um, and building out these, you know, these top levels. And then marketing. And marketing isn't putting ads everywhere, but it's, it's creating presence, right? It's creating noise and going, hey, this stuff actually happening over here, right? And the launch pad is a piece of this because so far, I talked to a lot of people at events that are like, oh, we love Cosmos, but they have no idea what Cosmos is, and they have no idea what's happening on Cosmos, right? They sometimes hear stuff like, say, network, and that's kind of, you know, been more in the open, but they don't really hear what's happening. So we need to get better at that and, and understand that, you know, it's okay to spend money on marketing. It's okay to do business development, and we need to start bringing in projects in and brands. Yeah, great points. I fully agree with what you just said. I think that was really, really uh, well spoken. I, I guess I'm I'm going to ask you a curveball. How did you vote on the Osmosis grant proposal? <laughs> you don't have to answer vote. that. Well, what, <laughs> did, what do you did, think about it? I what did, do you think about it? I didn't it? vote. I didn't <laughs> vote. I'll answer it and then I'll bring Jordi up. Uh, I am a little bit split because I'm I'm not aware enough of Reverie and and their um track record and stuff to do it. I agree with both camps, I think. Um, one of them that I see is, is uh, really important, and I think we, we don't touch on this enough, and I see this a lot in Cosmos. It happens especially in the bear market. Is almost like the witch hunting of, of oh, this person's paying us, this person's earning a salary uh, like this level. Uh, they shouldn't be, they should be like doing this. So that's one thing. 
Um, I think things need to be realistic, but I mean, devs can cost money um, and good talent can also cost money. If you're hiring executives from corporate, for example, you're not going to pay them 50K a year. You're not going to get that talent 50K a year, right? So there's, there's that level um, where I think good talent needs to be paid decently um, to attract good talent. But then on the other side, I think, you know, it's also like realizing that we're in a bear market. What are the treasuries actually looking like? And are you paying decent amounts of money to get the right people? What kind of job are they doing? And how much value are they going to bring in terms of bringing the grant? The second piece around this is, is also like the scrutiny from a chain level, which uh, I know we, we kind of experienced this even um, in the is It's very hard to build if you're getting, if every move is getting questioned. Right? If, you're, if you get a grant and then the community is questioning every single move that you make, it's really hard for builders to keep building and, and to keep going because it can be really like detrimental. And I think it's the same with people that are working for DAOs in general. They can get like this level where every single square inch of your job is getting scrutinized and then people don't want to work there anymore. So it's one of the issues that I think that kind of happens too. Accountability is important, yes. Uh, but if you're hiring the right people, there's also like a, there's a level in which we have to be like careful about that because I think you lose a lot of talent by being over scrutinized too. So yeah, that's, that's my, kind of my answer, but yeah. I like it. Well said. Uh, Jordy, go ahead. Hey, how's it going guys? Um, I have to hop off real quick in about three minutes, but I can chime in and give some of my thoughts. I, um, I think we're seeing a lot of growth and usage in, in terms of Cosmos and a lot of innovation, especially with builders coming in. Um, but especially like learning a lot from the VC perspective um, with my recent fellowship with Republic currently. Uh, what we're seeing is that a lot of VCs are shifting towards, um, you know, the types of onboarding tools that are really needed in the space. And so right now there's more focus and emphasis on, okay, what's the next project or what are the next onboarding tools that will actually help get us to a billion users in crypto or get us to the next, the next thousand users, the next hundred thousand users. Right. Um, and that I think comes with, uh, you know, UI UX and also abstracting away complexities. And so a lot of teams are getting really creative. Um, one of my favorite projects, they used to be called Taurus Wallet. Um, and I think they rebranded into Web3 Auth. Um, and their project is basically, you, you're able to create a wallet, but you're able to do it with like an email and password. And so that's very familiar for, you know, non-crypto DGENs instead of giving them a seed phrase that they may not know what to do with and they store it incorrectly like as screenshots on their phone or notes in their notes app um, which as we know is not very secure so um we're seeing a lot of innovation in that space and, and it's very it'll be very interesting going forward when you have tools like axelar and layer zero that are meant to try to connect all these all these different chains so if we can really cut down on any of the complexities i think that'll help push the needle forward in the space um, but yeah, that's that's my two cents on um, in terms of uh, how can we ease on the onboarding. But I'm happy to hear all the other types of ideas, and I'm sure there'll be more with time to come. Thanks, Jordy. Uh, fully agree with you, and uh, you may be familiar. We're we'll build, we're building an onboarding tool at at Red Gang, um, and uh, I don't want to be you know bashful of anything, but uh, the Cosmos onboarding and Osmosis as a whole is, you know, you can tell me it's easy once you play with it, it's true, but just the deposit, withdraw asset thing, 
bridging, you know, coins from chain to chain, it's not user friendly at all. Like, let's be honest. So, uh, yeah, I, I second what you say. I got to hop off, but it was it was great hearing from you guys. Um, so. Good to have you on Legend. Good to have you on Legend. Thanks, Jordy. Um, all right. Okay. So actually, I think Giannis was there, you know, kind of, uh, I'll let Giannis speak and then Winnie, I'll get to you afterwards because Giannis hasn't spoken. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yep. Uh, first of all, uh, it is the first time in a while that I have actually enjoyed a very good space that is not, you know, Based based on our usual shit talk, and it's actually yeah. Uh, this is a very serious space, Simon. This is not how it usually goes. I hope to yeah. <laughs> we want it to uh, be professional. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just wanted to point that out first. Second, I want to agree with Winnie that uh, Zerker is a great uh, Twitter Space host. He actually asked every question um that uh, was left for us to ask uh and he did it very very well um i i have two questions actually uh that uh you know they they create they happen to hit my mind as you guys were talking um one of them is about uh the help uh, uh, uh the help of Eclipse Pad to uh, projects that are launching about marketing, because I saw that on their website that they will be helping with marketing. Uh, so I just wanted to ask, uh, what do you guys have in mind uh, besides the usual, you know, Twitter spaces, uh, some community engagement with some, uh, you know, other communities? Um, what do you have in mind uh, for this? And uh, how is the selection of the projects that are about to launch uh, happening? Uh, will be something like uh, a community-based vote from the stakers? Um, will it be something like a council or a team? Thanks. Great questions. I touched on the marketing one first. And I think the biggest, like, overall piece of marketing um, for us is actually to, to start off with is actually digging down into storytelling and narrative. Um, so it's really actually about looking at the project and um, I mean, obviously there's this, this marketing narrative, overall marketing, and then there's uh, you've got marketing uh, strategies. So marketing strategies should come after you've figured out like the narratives. Narratives change, right? Um, and they, they adapt over time as you work out your market and your users. But I think the first thing is really looking at these, these projects because I talk to a lot of projects currently that have great products, still great products, but they don't know how to communicate or position or market them. So I think the first thing that we look at is really, okay, what is the story that you're telling? How do you capture your users emotionally? How do you really like sell your offer and your proposition to the market? So that's the first one. So we work that out. Um, and then we go into the marketing strategy and that is going to vary based on you know different projects, their needs and what they need, but things like, Obviously, Twitter Spaces, promotions, education, um, you know, uh, bounties for you know researchers and community writers. Um, potentially, depending on the budget, uh, some PR articles, uh, and then it will be really tapping into a KOL network. So that's really where we our focus uh, wants to be is is really 
you know, focusing on on communities and and uh, and collaborations and cross and cross marketing. Uh, as we build up our own community as well, it's going to be really leveraged on that. Um, like the, the if you want like Eclipse Pad, it doesn't just need to market itself, but it needs to market the projects launching on top of Eclipse Pad. So it's going to be a couple of things, but I think the most important thing to start with um, is um, is the narratives and the storytelling. Uh, that's that's the number. That's the first number one. I'm actually um, we're actually talking to a couple really good uh, launchpad marketers and stuff as well. We've got a couple really good guys in the team, but um, I was actually talking to Delphi um, the other day, and they were like, "We know a really really good marketer guy that may be able to help you." So, yeah, we're we're looking at some of that stuff as well. But I think we've got a pretty good idea from that perspective. From uh, the perspective of vetting projects. Um, we won't be community uh, vote just yet. In the future, the plan is to be a community, uh, like more of a DAO kind of uh, community voting on projects for the most part. Um, at the early stage, we'll be team vetting um, as well as uh, bringing an external uh, due diligence company that, that a lot of VCs work in. They do investment reports. So the idea is actually to do like an investment report and uh, to publish that publicly so the community can also see what kind of due diligence is being done behind the scenes. Um, and then, you know, we've got like a first level filter and then, um, you know, obviously filtering down, um, some of the criteria, like looking at all sorts of criteria, I'm happy to put an article up about the, the kind of rough criteria that we look at It's probably easier than me, um, spilling on the space, but we're looking at a couple of things. We're looking at, you know, good founders, good teams. Um, what are their kind of revenue models? Uh, do they have backers? Um, what is their competitive like advantage in landscape? Like, have they really thought about like the market? And are they building for themselves or are they building for the market? Um, are they exciting? A couple of those different pieces. So we're looking at, at some of that stuff, uh, but I'll put that in an article. I hope that kind of answers most of the question. Um, there's a lot to kind of unpack there, but yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, I don't have any more questions. I just want to uh, also thank you, uh, for uh, the very generous uh, offer of you know giving all the OG holders a bit of uh, the tokens, I think it was a very good initiative. Uh, also, of course, we want to thank the Red Gang for it, uh, and I'm really looking forward for the launch. Uh, I really like the tokenomics and the model with the staking and everything that you know um, actually implements also loop and several other stuff. It is really exciting to actually have three or four different, uh, you know, protocols or uh, uh, things, you know, to cooperate and uh, get a good result. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no worries. Partnerships are key, right? Getting through this bear market is about partnerships. Um, it, it's about building together. And I think, you know, we, we, we've actually got a lot of other behind the scenes partnerships and people we're talking to that we're going to build with you're going to see probably over the next couple of weeks and months a lot more stuff come out um, because if you just build by yourself, you've got the singular power, but if you build with a lot of other people and leverage as much like cool tech as possible, you just propel to another level. So we're going to be partnering with a lot of different players. And I, I suggest that to any builders in the space, like look to solidify strong alliances because that will help get through the bear market. Yeah, great insight. And, and thanks for the questions, Giannis. Uh, Winnie, did you still have a question? 
Uh, well, more of a comment that uh, I remember the space where I, I learned about loop uh, learn and uh, learn to earn module and everything that you guys were cooking. And uh, um, I really liked the, that initiative and the idea, and I hope to see it uh, perhaps launched from Eclipse uh, Pad in the future. So Nina's actually up here. Nina's been uh, doing so much for LoopLearn, uh, which has been incredible. Um, you know, like LoopLearn is still definitely a big vision and it's going to be such an important piece um, for Cosmos, for crypto in general, um, especially for, you know, overseas communities like Latin America, uh, LATAM. And um, yeah, I'm still very excited for LoopLearn. It's, uh, it, it's, slowed, it's definitely slowed down a little bit, I think, in the bear. It's, it's, it's obviously... It's it's harder, I think, from a retail perspective when the market is, um, you know, not not up. But it's also the perfect time to build out, you know, the education and stuff, so it's ready for the bull market when all the users start coming back in. So that's going to be important. I think it's going to be important for like projects, education for projects launching as well, and just overall onboarding. Um, and, and for Loop, it's going to be awesome too. So yeah, yeah, education's are uh, always an uh, uh, interesting component for us. Um but tricky right because right now i think you kind of have to know who you want to educate or what your user base is and the people that are here now they're they're usually you know telling them how to open a wallet yes but uh you can just send them the link right they'll figure it out they know how to tech works for the most part um I kind of I'm assuming this right, but but it's it's what we've seen too. It seems like you got to teach them, you know, some more advanced features or or in a different manner than you would teach someone that's just coming into crypto. Like Jordy was mentioning the password and emo thing, right? That that's interesting for for uh, you know a completely new user, but for the people that are here right now in crypto, I think that they're interested in the different topics. So um, always got to adapt the piece <laughs> uh, to your audience. Um, Astro, you had a question? Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, well, um, you mentioned something, uh, Simon, very, very interesting about uh, Latin America. And uh, we, in the Red Gang, we have uh, held in MAA in, in Spanish uh, every Wednesday. And um, I'm very, you know, intrigued if you also in your platform will have a Spanish uh, material for a Spanish speaker, native Spanish speaker like me, that might be more like a, you know, is, is maybe there is some in-depth stuff that is, uh, you know, a little bit challenging to translate in uh, in our brains, how our brains works is uh, a little bit different. So it's way easier for uh, a native Spanish speaker to just read it in their uh, own native language instead of English language. So I just want to, uh, you know, ask you about it and uh, because, you know, I'm a Spanish speaker, uh, interesting to reach out the Spanish speaker community in crypto and NFT space and uh, that will be something very good if you uh, already don't do it. Look, as, um, as we obviously build out, this stuff is going to happen, right? Um, I won't say that there is, there is a full initiative just this moment. Um, 
Loop is doing a lot of this sort of stuff. So, you know, Nina is leading a lot of that LATAM uh, education outreach. For Clipspad just yet, there isn't, uh, there isn't a specific initiative. Um, over time, there will be, uh, especially with a launchpad or a platform like Eclipse. Uh, it's really about communities, right? And we'll, we will get communities from all around the world. Not just, and we already are, not just Latin, but like Vietnamese, Korean, um, all sorts of countries and languages. So it's going to be really about working and identifying these leaders from these different communities and working with them to create some stuff. So um, I, I really believe in leadership and I know that like one person can bring thousands of people into a community, right? Um, and so it's really about like seeing who steps up, which are the leaders that kind of identify themselves and, and finding ways to work with them to create content and cool stuff um, to really help to manage those um, and those pieces of the community. Because if you try and spread too thin at the start, right now I try to do, you know, content for 10 communities. Um, the priorities don't get allocated the way they may need to. Um, and certain things that may be more immediate priorities like getting the platforms up and launching is really important, right? So. Um, I see this coming down the line. That's definitely seeing it important. But we also have to kind of like manage like the, the rollout and the priorities in the right kind of order as well. You know what I've never seen ever is a DEX, even something as simple as Uniswap, and just translate it, right? Where you can just switch the language from English to Spanish. Like, that would be super simple, no? You have all these websites. You can just switch them from, you know, one language to another. Like, that'd be cool. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's important or I, I probably everybody that's, that's in crypto, you know, can read or comprehend some English because all the documents are in English and, you know, everything's in English. That'd be nice. Just, just something simple like that. I don't know. We did that on Loop Learn. I think we we're actually going to do that with the, the Loop Dex. I think that was something we're working on. I think as well, like the Google is an option as well. The user can translate the page in their language. So I think many users already do that already. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Think that's they, a can, good point. they can press the Google Translate and translate. But on Loop Learn, we actually translated, we had it translated to Italian and we had it translated to Spanish and all the material had subtitles. And they still do, actually. Uh, Spanish uh, subtitles. Nina's been working heaps on that and creating Spanish content. So. Um, she's been awesome with that. So, yeah, look, this will come. Um, it's just kind of like step by step. Yeah, very cool. And and I think what Astro is also asking indirectly is if you have a Spanish representative from Eclipse that wants to join our uh, our Spanish spaces. We had, uh, uh, last week we had, uh, or was it two weeks ago, we had Calc Finance. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They, um, I they love just, those guys, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I talked to him a lot, actually. We've been talking a lot behind the scenes. Yeah, so we had them uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they also did a demo on our Discord, but that wasn't in Spanish. But wondering if, you know, y'all have someone that <laughs> wants to do a Twitter space with us in Spanish. I also understand, you know, like the priorities and the timings and uh, uh, no worries, but uh, just throwing it out there. Did you speak Spanish? I don't. I don't. Uh, and that's the beauty of the DAO. Does Emir, do you speak Spanish? I swear you speak like a million languages. <laughs> there's like there's a few members that speak many languages, so it's interesting. Yeah, Amir speaks Spanish, right? I think I think he does. So um, <laughs> yeah, we we have Ghost and Astro who are Spanish speakers, and we have a lot of Spanish speakers actually in the cosmos. So I think it's kind of appropriate to to have this uh, type of talk. Oh, Amir's coming up, so I guess we'll, we'll get the two connected. Simon, I just had a question. 
What what made you interested in the Rect Gang or why Rect Gang? What brought your eyes? Or you haven't been listening, gang? Lee, but you want to you want to hear some more compliments. I think it was your shit posting. I think. Look, the, the shit posting really won me over. I mean, okay, you guys are the first PFP that I have ever made my profile picture, and that's saying a lot, right? I've had that 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 same face up on 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 Twitter for like months and months, and you guys were the first. Like, I've bought NFTs, but I've never changed my profile picture, and you guys are the first. So, I think your raids were really fun, um, but also your community is like really like tight knit. It's cool. Um, you guys like are very active and. To see through the whole, like you guys have been through so many reckonings, reckonings, and uh, you're still here, still around, and still kind of engaging and doing some cool stuff. So, I'd say it really, really um, stood out. So, yeah, good work, guys. Thanks, man. And we're honored that your PFP uh, is a wrecked bull now. I remember that meme too. <laughs> it was like, uh, I think you ask, okay, uh, you know, what, 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 what's a professional looking PFP or something like that? And then uh, I think I posted some meme about, you know, you, you can be both, you can be professional and you can have an animal PFP, something like that. I got to find it actually, I'm going to pin it. But Emir, do, do you speak Spanish? Yes, yes, sir. I can do whatever, if, if needed, like an AMA and to translate the questions in Spanish to Simon and then translate the answers of Simon to the community, I can do that one. Well, you you uh, you understand some of it already yourself, I think. <laughs> it's like a lot of putting on the spot, but I think you spent more time on on the docs that I've sent, all the ADHD docs that I've sent than anyone else, really. Yes, yes. Now uh, I'd gladly do that, of course, guys. Yeah, awesome. We had Gaines coming up. I think Gain, Gaines is a Spanish speaker too from uh, Cosmos Spaces, but he, he dropped off, it seems. Uh, v, did you have any other questions? Did that Gaines, answer you? It's not Gaines anymore. It's Lil Joe, and Lil Joe is here. He's here in the listeners in the space. Also, I've applied for counsel. I've, I've just put in my application. Yeah, vote for me for counsel or, or don't. Um, <laughs> up to you. Simon, is it okay if we if we continue a little more? I, I feel we got like a couple more questions. By I know the it's way, really late. I just wanted to do a shameless chill. I wanted to do a shameless chill. Uh, I wanted to ask Simon that if if a community member starts a rect validator, as we have one on Kajira and on Tori, and obviously not putting you on the spot or anything, but would you be willing to get us, use your connections, use all the cousins you have and get us into that active set? All the rewards will be going to the DAO or the community. I'll try my best. I can't, I can't make promises of getting people into, into uh, like sets because I know how hard that can be, um, but I'll definitely do my best on that front. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a challenge, but you just need the there's a couple connections that you need, um, and that helps a lot. From the VC side, it's a bit tough because the VCs are typically looking for specific, um, in terms of delegation. So like, I have good connections with some VCs that get into this that like, um, delegate to specific validators, but they typically sharing deal flow and and there's some specific relationships and things there. But yeah, I'll do my best, and I I really appreciate you guys. So like, 
I can help where I can. Also, guys, uh, whoever stakes their atom or anything, stake it with Cosmos Spaces, help them get into the active space, active set, and Cosmos stake with, try staking with Cosmos Spaces too. The guy's amazing. I love this. Everybody shilling each other's validators. It's great. Uh, and and thanks, Simon. No, no, you know, uh, we got no expectations. Uh, Will, go ahead. Hey guys. Hey, good morning, guys. Can you guys hear me? Wait, Wait is your name Will too? My bad. <laughs> go ahead, Will. Can you hear me? Yep. Uh, I got a question. I have a I have an idea how the this uh, launchpad works. Is uh. I participated on uh, a few of them, like like Certify and uh, ESC Pad. Do you guys have like a like a tier system, like five or six? And how long is the vesting uh, period for each IDO? Yeah, so we will have a tier system. Uh, we have currently we have uh, a base tier system already up on the site. We're actually working with. Um, like a, to a team of tokenomic experts behind the scenes building out uh, like a more complex or like a sort of a better model for the lottery and tiers. Um, so we've already got kind of the staking and tokenomics model sorted, which are really cool and really help to kind of users uh, to get better access into these tiers. Um, but we're currently reworking some of the like tier models and stuff to, to really work out how to make it the best as possible. Uh, the vesting's going to be... Uh, I, I would say like the vesting for each IDO is going to be around six months, but it's going to be kind of depending on the project in terms of negotiations. Some projects will want shorter vestings and some may want longer vestings. Um, so I, I would say around six months, but there will be like a TG uh, kind of release as well as the, um, it will be vested under an NFT as well. So users be able to, well, the user will be able to convert that vested position to an NFT and they'll be able to trade that early. So imagine a user puts vest in an IDO, it goes times 10, they have these tokens, it's vested over six months. They can convert that into an NFT that holds the tokens, sell that on the secondary market for maybe like a 30% discount or something, um, and then get the money. And then the new user gets the, you know, the NFT and can claim the tokens over the vesting period. So it's kind of like an OTC counter, uh, a secondary market OTC counter um, for vesting. So it could be cool. And, it, and we can put, we've got royalty fees on that. So it, it can bring re uh, revenue to like the, the Eclipse community and buyback and burn mechanisms pretty cool yeah 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 that's that's pretty cool uh, i i didn't i didn't know you guys uh, had any nfts on there like related with nft that's that's cool. yeah we we're using uh loop uh nft marketplaces tech uh for DeFi nfts so basically uh integrating these nfts where they'll be able to convert uh, staking positions but as well as vesting positions into these nfts making those positions now tradable um, which I think is a huge benefit. I think it can do some really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really love those NFTs. Oh, go ahead, Will. Sorry. No, no, that, that was that was my question. That's that's kind of cool what you guys doing. I participated on a, a lot of launchpads in in the past, and and a lot of those they print money during the bull market. They they do pretty good. <laughs> Honestly, it, it all depends on how much tokens you. You have right stake. That's that's uh that's gonna be that's dependent. That's gonna dictate what tier you are depending on how many tokens you have. Right? Yeah, but we, we've built some cool models around it. So have a dig into some of the like articles that we posted. Um, 
around uh, allowing users to uh, time lock uh, to get better access to uh, tiers, but also like there's also like a waiting module where users can choose whether they want more access to IDOs or more access to yield, right? Um, so we'll give the option, more options to users to decide kind of their fate and where they want to go. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of cool things that we've done. We're really focused on how can we kind of lower the lower the barrier of entry for some of these IDOs because that's some of the common issues that you get in a bull market where um, it gets harder and harder for newer users to participate. So that's kind of a lot of stuff that we think about. Okay, pretty cool. Th thank you for answering the questions. Yeah. And thank you for choosing us. Partnering. Yeah, the community is super grateful, as you can see, Simon. So that's that's really nice. Um, and thank you for answering the questions. I think uh, we asked uh, a lot, and you you answered uh, yeah, brilliantly. Um, just a reminder that this space is recorded, and our friend Finn from Terra Spaces is uh, going to archive it. You know, so. Um, this is awesome. Uh, if ever you want to re-listen to the space, um, and please donate to, to Finn as well, because uh, <laughs> uh, he is uh, kind of uh, yeah, uh, um, you know, very helpful for for us to kind of uh, uh, create this content, but also keep this content. And funny enough, I wanted to re-listen a space from last year on Twitter and I could not find it and it wasn't recorded by Terra Spaces. So I kind of like really saw the value of, of having this uh, recorded and archived. So very cool. Um, I guess I'll close it because it's been 90 minutes and I know it's very late for you. I don't know what time you go to sleep. You probably don't sleep anyways, right? <laughs> yeah, a few people tell you that I sleep too much. I think just one last one, didn't Lil, Lil Nets, now Lil Joe, didn't he have a question as well? As a final one, but yeah, it's about twelve thirty now. Uh, yeah, he did, me. but he left. Um, I think he's having uh, connection issues. Um, he's always like at this time. He's he's moving somewhere. I, I kind of know his schedule now because he does <laughs> he does spaces all the time, and around this time he's always having issues. So there's got to be some sort of a uh, driving uh, that that's going on. Anyways, that's maybe too much detail. Um, yeah, do you have any closing thoughts, Simon? Not really. I just really appreciate you guys. And I'm really excited to, uh, you know, have, be around you guys more and uh, to airdrop to you guys when our token does um, go to market. I'm really excited. And I'm really excited to co-build this stuff. I, I think, you know, we're going to build a really, really awesome community. Um, I think it's going to be like an aggregate of communities. Like I, I just imagine like we're going to have sub communities and like a big community that involves like a lot of different communities. And I think there's some cool stuff that we'll be able to do with the discords around having these sub communities in there. I think that's going to be really fun. Um, I don't a hundred percent know what that's going to look like. I think, you know, they, we can kind of have a pick a vast picture in our head and then it will kind of mold itself into place. Um, the right people will kind of like step up and do the right and do certain things. And it will take a certain kind of turn and flavor. Um, I think kind of Breck probably did the same, right? You maybe didn't know a hundred percent what it's going to look like at the start, right? But it kind of morphed into this, awesome growing community and that's kind of how we see what we want to do we're going to attract people that are you know have the same values that are aligned attract good investors launch good projects and help to kind of um make the space better and that, that's kind of our focus yeah i fully agree we're, we're all going to make it together 
And I think that together is important. And uh, I love your vision about, you know, bringing different communities, cross-pollinating around different chains. I think it's it's really amazing. And uh, I'm super excited for the Eclipse launch. Uh, so thanks again. Thank you for your time. And thanks, everyone, for attending. Uh, this is recorded, like I said. You can re-listen to it at a future time. And uh, I guess we'll see you around in, on Twitter and Discord and uh, Twitter Spaces and all those fun places. Hey, hey Brzezka, you got Gaines came back. Oh, Gaines, is, is, does he yeah, want to ask a question or not? Because yeah. I don't see him. I had a nice closing there, Amir. That was looking like I was a flip. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, he's there. No, no, I'm messing with you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see him either. By the way, why do we have to close the space? Because uh, Simon has to go to sleep. Yeah, it's Simon like can sleep. Let Simon sleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let him go to sleep. Just... It's okay. This, this, look, as soon as I sleep, this, this space is going to go downhill. As soon as I leave, this space is just going to go into complete degeneracy. Just watch. <laughs> yeah, it's really close. I can, I can like sense the tension of people wanting to ship talk and 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 ship post and really degen and they're being very um mindful yeah. today yeah very respectful <laughs> because you're here i, I love some degen uh, we, we we love some degen it's, it's a, a light-hearted touch as well but uh, yeah i think uh, i think the, the pillow's calling soon um got a you know a lot of things to get through as well so i appreciate you guys a lot um and keep being you guys keep uh, showing up especially in these times i think people need that uh, more than anything, and um, we look forward to seeing you guys around. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'll close the spaces. If you want to shit talk, well, we can do that in the Discord. Are we, actually, are we actually closing the space? Yeah, we are. Julian just came up. Space Gullies are here. Fricky is here. Shrek is here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Simon, you can go to sleep. To thanks. This is going to be recorded, and I want it to be like a nice clip so people don't have to, like, you know, it just it then they have to cut it and all that so please and if okay we, you we can, can we can go to now. we can go you, to our discord cut the space from now we can go to our no, discord we've got stop. space skellies here we've got space skellies yeah, they, they are in, in our discord ej is in our discord yeah yeah so you see simon this is what i have to deal with on on a daily basis it, it's fun <laughs> yeah. but you're, you're probably right about cutting the space. I mean, it's going to be kind of funny if you want to watch, <laughs> watch the listen to the recording. They get to the end, they're like, "What the shit just happened?" This is like just good spirals right at the end. But it's good. This is part of the fun, right? Um, but on that note, uh, I'm going to say good night, whether you keep it open or not. Um, do your thing, but uh, enjoy the rest of your days and nights, guys. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, thanks. You too, man. And uh, yeah, see ya. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Eclipse Pad AMA, hosted by the Rec Gang. Recorded on Thursday, November 17th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now with Spark IBC enabled. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. 
No one ever guessed that the game would be tough Keep it hands off when the play is a bust Playing old and just so we keep it on the one Blast off on the two, help me see the three Third eye open wide, checking out the scene Razor beam focused, star scream jokers Living off the fat of the people they approach Tell me what happens when the land fights back With the cliffs at our backs make the last stand matter No one ever planned for the famine on deck We was walking all erect with the dead man's swagger Sitting in a little den Vision in the middle, men listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty, then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion. Little den vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal at the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the Birds view. Gotta find cover, wipe off the bird poop, ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth, slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement, could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion. Vision in the middle, men listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty, then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Ten spaces.